How many feel the presence of the Lord in this house today? We're glad you're here this morning. We had a wonderful time. And uh, we had a wonderful time at the 9 o'clock service. And people were just excited. And uh, you guys are excited here. You got some. You got an extra hour now, guys, all right? After two hours. So we're glad you're here. Are you ready? So turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place. At the right time. Right now. And I honestly do believe that this morning, and I pray today that this message will minister to you, but it's only going to go as far as you're open, right? And so sometimes we can hear a message, and it goes in one ear and out the other. Uh, but if we listen, and this is what I try to do. Are you ready for this? I try to, when, I, when, when I'm sitting in the congregation listening to a message, I try to uh, put that message in perspective to my life. God, how does this apply to me? What do I need to change and, and try to put myself into that message rather than trying to put other people like, hey, you know, you're nudging that guy and you're looking over here and husband's nudging the wife, wife's nudging the husband. Maybe the Holy Spirit is nudging you a little bit, trying to, trying to nudge you a little bit to say, hey, I'm trying to speak to you. So uh, receive it as God is speaking to you. And I, I pray today that it will be a challenge. Uh, we are in this series called Comeback. And we're talking about how in life there are many setbacks. There are things that we failed in, things we made mistakes. And how do we come back from those? Maybe you've had a relational a setback, a relational failure. Maybe you've had a health uh, setback. Maybe you've had a job setback. Uh, whatever it may be, uh, you may have had a couple of different things that have caused you to go back or set you back in things that you did not expect. And you're wondering how do we make a comeback. How can we bounce back from that issue? How do we bounce back from that mistake? How do we bounce back from this failure? And I'm here to tell you today, several people in the Word of God were able to come back. And the great thing about the people of God, they're people just like us. How many thank God? They're people just like us. And today I'm going to focus on a character in the Bible that many of you have always looked at and said, man, this guy's a great man of God. But I'm going to tell you today, He's a human being, just like you and I are. And I'm going to focus on a character by the name of Elijah. How many have ever heard of Elijah before? And all of us have. We've heard of Elijah. But let me just say this about Elijah. That Elijah had a great, great uh, start. And he had a great, great ministry. And many wonderful miracles happened and transpired through Elijah's life. But even Elijah experienced a setback. And this morning, what I want to talk about is coming back when you are spiritually drained and you've lost your passion. Good. How do you come back from that? I mean, all of a sudden, spiritually, some things start happening in your life. And how do you come back? Have you ever lost your passion for God? Amen. Have you ever lost that fire? Many of you were on fire. You were all excited. And then a set of circumstances or issues transpired in your life. And now you're saying, man, I'm trying to get it back. Because we, all, we only have so much in our reserve tank. When we get drained spiritually or we get drained physically, uh, it really drains us. To, uh, you know, It keeps us from wanting to come back. But I'm here to tell you today that you're able to come back from any setback. On, and so the Bible tells us about this man by the name of Elijah. And he has this emotional breakdown that happens. He loses his passion. And I love the way, this is not my text, but I love what James said in James chapter 5, verse 17. 
Elijah was a man just like us. And what it's saying is he was just as vulnerable as we are. He went through the same trials and temptations and issues that you and I face every day. And I'm here to tell you that many times we look up to people and we say, man, they must be so great. They're people just like you. Come on, that's right. And so don't ever put somebody at a pedestal and say, well, they're like this. No, they're people just like you. And, and, and it's wonderful to be honored, but don't put somebody such in such a degree that you think they can't fail. Because all of us this morning have get drained emotionally. And, and our, sometimes our passion is even lost. And, and there are a number of signs that we can see when you're losing your passion. When there's some things that are happening in your life. And I want to just share this story out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. But before I look into that chapter, I want to give you a bit of background of who Elijah is. And what transpires in his life. And we have to go to 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm not going to read all of that chapter but um, I'll tell you what happened initially. You can go home and read it. It's a great, fascinating story. But the background is this. Israel at that time, the nation of Israel, is being led by a king by the name of Ahab. And he's a wicked king. And he has a wife who's a dominating wife, a domineering wife, by the name. And she's a wicked just as well. Her name is Jezebel. Even the word kind of sounds a, a little wicked, isn't it? And, and so the whole nation has turned away from God. They are There's moral bankruptcy that has taken place. There's no fear of God. In fact, they are now have turned to worshiping Baal. They worshiping idols. Now, could you imagine the nation of Israel, the very God that delivered them, the very God that set them free, and the very God that brought them out of Egypt are now turned to worshiping a stone idol by the name of Baal. And Baal is a lot of bloody worship. In fact, they even are sacrificing their own children on the altar. This is uh, basically has led these people into a false religion and they're worshiping idols. They've turned away from God. There's no fear of God. And finally, Elijah shows up on the scene in 1 Kings chapter 18. And this is what he said. How long are you guys, or basically how long are you going to waver between two opinions? How long are you going to be double-minded? Are you going to worship God or not? Are you going to play games with God? Basically is what he's saying. If the Lord is God, follow him. And if the idol Baal is God, well then, follow him. So he makes a suggestion, which is pretty bold. He says, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have kind of a God contest, believe it or not. This is what he calls it. And we're going to compete to see who God really answers prayer. And the God that answers by fire, he is God. And he said, so we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. I always wonder why they call it Carmel. I mean, did they make candy Carmel up there? Uh, apple Carmel? I don't know. Uh, Carmel, uh, you know, Macchiato, whatever they do. What do they do there? But Carmel, why do they name it Carmel? But anyway, that's a whole different thing. And, and so they're there, and, and, and they said, we're going to do a, a pr pretty much a God contest. And the Bible says that Baal, the prophets of Baal, are 450 prophets of Baal that actually eat at the king's palace at Jezebel's table. So she's been feeding these prophets. She's been uh, basically feeding the nation with Baal. And so 450 prophets are to meet him at Mount Carmel. And this is the proposition. The proposition is they're going to make a sacrifice. He said, I'm going to sacrifice an ox. 
an oxen or a bull, you're going to sacrifice them, and you're going to put it on this wood altar here, and we're going to cut it in pieces, and then we're going to pray to God to light this altar or to light the sacrifice, and the God that answers by fire, He is God, and we're going to serve Him. So He tells them, just to be fair, I'm going to let you guys go first, Elijah says. And he goes, and I want you guys to prepare this altar, prepare this sacrifice, and all of you guys begin to pray to your God of Baal, and you can't light any fire to it. He said, but you want, I want you to call on your God, and the God that answers by fire, he's God. So the Bible says they, these 450 prophets of Baal, this false God, they begin to shout, they begin to chant, they even begin to dance. From morning to noon, all the way to evening, basically, to the evening sacrifice, they're still shouting. They're even cutting themselves. They're chanting. They're doing all of this. Guess what? No fire. Zilch. Nothing. No answer from heaven. And finally, even Elijah begins to mock them a little bit. And he says, perhaps your God's on vacation. Maybe he's fishing somewhere. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's taking a nap. That's what Elijah tells them. I mean, you read it. It's pretty funny. And then he even said, perhaps your God is using the restroom. Maybe he's on the toilet and he can't come. And so he begins to mock them. He begins to make fun of them. And then the Bible said, after they finished doing their thing, goes, now it's my turn. And the scripture said that Elijah said, I want to, uh, this offering now or this sacrifice. Uh, not only am I going to pray for God to answer by fire, but I want you to put water on the offering. So the Bible said they get 12 barrels of water. And now all of, all of the wood is floating in water. I mean, it's like water logs everywhere. The sacrifice is floating in water. It's like a little river inside this little, this little ditch that he's made there for the sacrifice. And so he said, now, just to prove to you that God is going to answer by fire. Not only is he going to light this thing, but watch what happens. And so the Bible said in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36... Through 38, it says, At the time for evening sacrifice, Elijah went up to the altar and prayed. Prayed this simple prayer. Man, I just lost my place right now. It says, Lord, I know you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now prove that you are the real God and that I am your servant. Show these people that you told me to do this. Lord, answer my prayer to these people. That these people will know that you're God and they, they will change their mind. So he says his prayer. Then the fire from the Lord came down, man, and burned up not just the sacrifice and all the wood. It burned up all the stones and the ground around the altar. It dried up all the water in the dead. That's the power of God. I mean, like, poof. I mean, have you ever done that in a barbecue? You, you, you put the, the, put the propane and poof. I did the other day at my stove. My wife, my wife goes, keep clicking. And I finally put on the flame and poof, it just went like that. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You've done it. Don't act funny. You've done it before. And, and that's kind of what happened. The power of God came down and consumed all of the altar, everything that was there, because God is the real God. Can you say amen? So I'm going to pray. I don't know. Have I prayed yet to preach yet? I'm going to pray right now. And I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit uh, to just anoint this message as I minister. Father, we thank you for every person that's in the building. 
And wherever they're at right now in their life, God, whatever's happening right now spiritually, whatever circumstances surround them, I pray that the Word of God would minister to their lives, that the Word of God would go forth in power and anointing, and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice, that they'll be open to receive what you have for them today. And I thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So the Bible said they are so astounded by this miracle that God had answered by fire that the people of God, then you can imagine the anger that arose in the people because they had been sacrificing their children to this false God and they realized that they'd been led astray. And the Bible says, Elijah said, then kill them all, man. There's a massacre. All 450 prophets of Baal are killed. There's revival in the land. People begin to turn to God. And how many know that after every mountaintop, there's always the valley? See, many of us this morning, you've experienced some great uh, highlights in your life. But many times after the highlight, there's reality. And there are things that will get us down. Isn't it amazing that, that we could be going along in life so well and all of a sudden one event happened and it could just take the air out of the building. It can, it can make us hit rock bottom. And here's what happened after this great victory and people are, are, have turned to God and they realize that God is God, that He's the real God, everything else. The Bible says that, that Queen Jezebel, uh, Ahab's wife, gets word of what happens. And she said, oh, oh, really? This is, what, this is what happened, huh? She tells her king. Well, you, so she sends a messenger to, Eli, to Elijah. Look at 1 uh, King chapter 19, verse 1 through 5. King Ahab told his wife Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he ordered the death of all the false prophets of Baal. So the queen sent this threat to Elijah. May my God strike me dead if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow. This woman put out a hit on this Whoa. guy. Put a green light on him. Said, you're, you're out, man. And look at what happened. Elijah, this great man of God, this man of faith and power, this man who just prayed this prayer, guess what he does? The Bible says Elijah was what? Afraid. And what did he do? He ran for his life. When you're afraid, you run. He left his servant in the town of Beersheba. We'll talk about him leaving his servant there. And he walked for a full day into the desert. I mean, this guy is trying to get away as quick as he can. And finally, he came to a broom tree and he collapsed. Can you imagine how tired he was walking a full day in the desert? And there he prayed that night, what? That he, what? He might die. He said, God, I've had enough. You see him? Spiritually drained. He was in this mountaintop. And now he's spiritually drained. He's, le he's lost his passion. He doesn't even want to live anymore. He says, take my life. Just let me die. For I'm no better than my ancestors. This is this man of God talking. Yeah. Exhausted. He fell under the broom tree. And then later in verse 10 it says, Elijah told God, I've always worked hard for you. But your people have abandoned your covenant destroyed your places of worship and murdered all your true prophets. And what he said, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You see how the devil magnifies everything? Yeah. You're the only one left. This guy's on the edge. I mean, he's on the edge. He's drained emotionally. 
uh, everything. There's been a spiritual downturn. And all of these things that have happened are now, he's experiencing this setback. He's experiencing this emotional drainage in his life. He's lost his passion. And he doesn't even want to live anymore. He just feels like, man, this is no good. Everything's down. Everything's depressing. And this is what the enemy loves to do. He loves to magnify the problem bigger than what it is. And so there are a number of signs that you need to look for in your life when you are starting to experience feeling emotionally drained, you're losing your spiritual passion. There's a couple of things that are a few signs that I want to give you more than a few. I want to give you a number of signs. Number one, you can write this down. Elijah feared. He was afraid. Fear will rob you of your passion. Fear is a sign that you're spiritually being drained emotionally because the Bible says that he became fearful. He, he was running for his life. He moved from keeping his eyes on God and he moved to putting his eyes on the circumstances. And all, all she did was say, you're going to die tomorrow. The moment he heard those words, see the devil will always lie to you. And he'll place fear in your life. The second thing he does is he starts running. He's running. What are you running away from today? A lot of us this morning were running. Some are running from God. Some are running from your responsibility. Some are running from things that you should. The Bible says he ran for his life. So when you are running, that is the sign that you've lost your passion for God and you are emotionally drained. You're running, man. Come on. You're running. Amen. Number three is he started backing out of his relationships. When you start seeing somebody backing away from their relationship, people that they were tied to, people that they were helping them along the way, you know then that that person is losing their passion and they're emotionally drained. Because the Bible said he left his servant in the town of Beersheba. He was walking away from strong relationship. He was walking away from people that were helping him spiritually. Now, there are some relationships that are unhealthy that you need to just get away from as quick as you can. But there are other relationships that are helping you spiritually that you need to stay connected to. And the Bible says he, ran, he was running away from those relationships. And number three, he made a foolish, impulsive decision. See, when you lost your passion for God, you're making impulsive and foolish decisions. You're making decisions that don't make sense. You're making decisions on the fly. You're making decisions impulsively. Yeah, yeah, we just do this, do that. You're not even getting God involved. And so what's his, what's his decision that day? He's going to walk a full day in the desert. What food does that? You're going to walk in the desert. I'm deciding to walk in the desert today. Where's your canteen? No canteen. Where are you going? I don't know. He, he doesn't have no direction. He doesn't have any plan. He's walking, in fact, the opposite direction that God calling him to walk in. He has no plan. And basically, I, I'm just going to go. A lot of people I've known that they just go back. I'm just going, I'm just going back, you know, going back to the bar. Are you hearing me? Going back with my, my, my old friend where I used to hang out with. Are you listening to me? Impulsive decisions when you've lost your passion for God. Number five. He began to push himself beyond his physical limits. And what do I mean by that? Believe it or not, uh, how you take care of yourself physically really affects your spiritual life. That's right. And I'll get into that in just a moment. 
but how you take yourself, care of yourself physically, sometimes the reason why you're feeling the way you are is not a spiritual attack, it's a physical thing that you're, you're pushing yourself beyond your limit. You're not super dad, you're not super mom, am I right? The Bible said he just kept walking into the desert until what? He finally collapsed and then he looked at his life Number six, you can write this down now. He began to look at his life as pointless. It doesn't have any meaning. When you begin to say that to yourself, you have lost your passion for God. When you say that you have no, your life is pointless, you're being drained emotionally. All of a sudden, you're looking at yourself and saying, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Uh, you know, uh, th all the stuff that is happening in my life. And this is what he's telling God. God, uh, you know, people have left you and... And I'm the only one left. I'm the only... And basically, he's calling himself a failure. And sometimes what we're doing is, because people are not responding, we, we, we're, we get mad at ourselves. Can I just tell you, as a pastor, uh, I'm not responsible, or I'm responsible for teaching you the Word of God, but I'm not responsible how you respond to the Word of God. That's right. That's good. How you respond is your responsibility. Yes. I can't be responsible. There are some people that are going to respond and God's going to transform them. Amen. And there are other people who are going to respond. They're just going to be informed, but they'll never be transformed. There's a lot of people in church that are well informed, but they're just not transformed. They've not let it get in here. It's in here, but it's not in here. Well, I'm preaching. I'm preaching better than you're, you're, you're even responding, but that's okay. I'm only responsible to teach. Amen. See, I, I, I found that in life, we, we can't be responsible for everybody. we got to be responsible for the message, but we're not responsible how they respond. Number seven, look at this, and if you've ever done this, he began to complain and want to quit and give up. That is a major sign of someone that you've lost your passion for God. You're, you're drained yourself spiritually because now you want to quit and you're complaining. Bible says he's ready to quit. He's ready to give up. He says, God, you know, uh, I, I've had enough. He's ready to throw in the towel. He's going to forfeit his uh, purpose. He's going to forfeit the future. He's going to forfeit the plan of God that God has for him. Why? Because he's he basically saying, I want to quit. I want to give up. He wants to just stop caring and basically lose his destiny for God. And number eight, he began to isolate himself. He left that servant and in that place and then he went on by himself and he said I'm the only one that's left I'm the only one that has been here I'm the only one I'm your only prophet you know when you start saying you're the only one you're having a big pity party you're not the only one come on pastor I'm the only one going through this no I can name a hundred more people going through what you're going through I don't mean to belittle people's problems but sometimes people, they come to me, Pastor, this is heavy. Boy, oh man, I'm going to lay it on you today. And they lay it on me, and I'm just thinking, okay, I, I get it. And, and they don't realize, it's not as heavy as you think it is. I know people a lot heavier than what you just told me. God bless you. I mean, I, I, have, I, have, you know, I have empathy for you, but you're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one that has gone through it. And there are things that people, you'd be surprised what they've gone through in life and they've made it. I said they've made it. They're still going on for God. They're not quitting. And so and what, uh, later on you'll find that God actually tells Elijah, you're not the only one. How would you like God to tell you, you're not the only one. And God tells him, I have 7,000 
prophets of God that have not bowed their knee to Baal. 7,000. He was saying he was the only one. I got 7,000 to your one. Amen. So sometimes we need to think about what we're saying because when we start isolating ourselves, that is a sign that you lost your passion. And, and think about this. Jezebel only put out a word. And she sent a messenger. I mean, if you're going to kill somebody, you don't tell them, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm going to kill you. I'm sending you a notice right now. Why didn't you just send the assassin? Why the messenger? It's a bunch of words. See, that's what the enemy, he likes to just tell you a bunch of words. It gets in your head before it gets in your heart. A lot of words, a lot of negative stuff saying you're not going to make it. You might as well quit. And number nine, he begins to compare himself. He begins to compare himself with others. And this is the worst thing you can do because the Bible says comparison is foolish. And he begins to compare himself. He says, I am no better than my ancestors. Listen to me. We depreciate our worth when we feel drained and we've lost our passion. We depreciate our worth. We think, we think we're no good when we compare ourselves. And then we begin to do that self-talk. How many know you talk to yourself a lot? Now, don't, don't lie. We all talk to ourselves. Am I going to get up this morning? What am I going to have for breakfast, man? I don't know. You're talking to yourself. Right? You're talking to yourself. So he's talking to himself. And that his life has no value, that it doesn't matter, that he compares himself to his ancestors. So he's focusing on his feeling rather than focusing on the facts. There's many people of God, they focus on their feelings rather than the fact. Do you realize sometimes that at your highest peak, you need to start looking behind you because that's when discouragement comes. I know a lot of gifted people, they accomplish great things. But the moment they get off the platform, they feel defeated. They said, I didn't do that good. Man, they did so great, but they're thinking they did so bad. Because the enemy is basically taunting them over and over. You're no good. You're not as good as this person. You're not as good as this person. And many times we need to keep... And the last one, this is the big one. Number 10, are you ready for this? We think that death is going to bring relief. Look at this prophet of God. What did he say? He said, Elijah prayed. He said that I might die. He said, Lord... Just take my life. Just take it right now. Lord, I want to die. And, and we think that somehow by dying, it's going to bring relief. You're taking your, taking your life as a permanent solution to a temporary emotion. To a temporary problem. Did you know that? Because we're not in a cycle. It's a season. Are you listening to me? You're going to get through this. But we think, man, if I just take my life, it'll solve it. No, no. You take your life. You're, you're going to destroy not only your life, but the lives of other people. Right. You don't realize your life affects so many people. Never make major decisions when you're depressed, when you feel spiritually drained. Never make major decisions, man, when you feel like giving up. That's why the Bible says Elijah was a person just like us. It tells us that he went through the same emotional things that were happening in his life just like we do. And he was losing his passion. I give you all of these different signs in his life that really identify that said, man, am I one of those? Am I those? Is one of those things me? You have to be honest with yourself right now. Is that you right now? 
Are you feeling some of these emotions? Because that's an emotion right there. That drainage right there. The more you're losing your passion. Now, here's what God... Re- Are you ready for the remedy today? Are you ready for a refill? I gave you the signs of drainage, but I'm going to give you some good things on how to get refilled. Number one, believe it or not, you may not think it's spiritual, but I'm going to show you biblically that it is. Biblically, it is spiritual. God wants you to rest your body. You need a little bit of rest. I'm going to show you in Psalm 23, best way to refill your life with the Holy Spirit and God's grace in your life. You get a little bit of rest. And he makes me what? Lie down in green pastures. He makes you do that. He leads me where? Beside the still water. For what? He restores my soul. So sometimes God has to make you lie down because you're not smart enough to do it yourself. Am I right? They say that a lot of times the reasons why we get sick, why we get sick a lot of times, this is what the doctors say, why your body makes you sick, because what we do, we found a way to keep the body going. Monsters, you know, uh, espresso, and we just keep, you know, keeping the body going. And finally your body says, hey, listen, you won't rest, guess what? It's sick time. I'm going to get you sick, so now you're forced to have to rest. You can't you can't get beyond it. Now you're now now you're like, man, I'm I'm coughing, I'm doing all this thing. I think I should rest. Good idea. You should have did that a long time ago. You need to rest your body. It needs to happen. You need to get proper rest. It's more spiritual than you think. Look at what it says in uh first Kings nineteen verse five. Then Elijah laid down. I love this verse right here. I'm going to make it uh, my, my, my verse in my bed right there. It says, he lay down and slept under the broom tree. I love that. Maybe add a little, what do they call that? Not a canopy. What, what do they call that when you lay down? Hammock. A hammock? Hammock. A hammock. I need a hammock like that. Anyway, but as he was sleeping, so he's sleeping, an angel wakes him up. Get up and eat. Man, I love that. He looked around and he saw some baked bread. Man, pandusa right there. And a, hot, and a hot stone and a jar of water. Man, that was awesome. And then he ate and he drank. And what happened? He laid down again. There's nothing like like sleeping, eating, and going back to bed again. He went back to sleep. Then the angel of the Lord came back. I said, man, already it's lunchtime. He touched him again. He said, get up again and eat more. I said, man, don't tell me twice. Give me another one of those right there. With a chapurado with it too. For there is a long journey ahead of you. And so Elijah got up and ate and drank again, and the strength, what, was revived. So what was the antidote to Elijah's drainage? What was, his, what was the antidote for him losing that passion? It, it was eating, sleeping, and eating and sleeping. I love that. That's God's first prescription. Is you need to eat a little bit of food. You need to rest. You need to relax. God didn't scold Elijah. Let me just be honest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go back to bed. Some people, you just need rest, man. When people ask me something, you know what? I said, I'm going to think about it. And then I'm going to sleep on it. And I'll let you know what happens when I come back. Sometimes I, I call it holy meditation. I need to do some holy meditation, brother. What's that? For? I need to sleep on that one. I need to get some rest. You, you ever you ever notice when you're irritable and you don't have enough rest, you make irrational decisions? You're angry, you're on edge, you're upset, you need to get some rest. You need to go to sleep at a proper time. 
I learned this a long time ago. I go to sleep at a certain time and I wake up at a certain time. And when I mess that up, it messes me up the whole day. So I got to go to sleep, man. I, go, I, I, I can't stay up. I, I turn off my phone. If, if it's an emergency, you got to call Jesus in the middle of the night because I am asleep. Hallelujah. Pastor, I was calling you. I was sleeping, brother. Amen. Holy meditation. Amen. I was sleeping in, in the moment. But call on Jesus. He's, he's up 24 hours a day. Amen. He'll help you through it. But I, I believe that God wants us sometimes to rest a little bit. You need to rest your body. And the reason why you can't handle it spiritually, because physically, I mean, look at what the scripture said. There's a scripture in, in Psalm 127, verse 2. It said, uh, "He loves, uh, God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. You can, you can read that. But I love this one. Jesus talking to the disciples. They just came back from this revival in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. There was such a swirl of activity around Jesus with so many people coming and going. That they were unable to even eat a meal. Could you imagine all the crowds? Everybody's coming. And so Jesus said to the disciples. Who said it? Jesus said it. Come. Let us take a break. Find a secluded place. Well what? Where you can rest a while. So Jesus' remedy to all that's going on. All the chaos. All the stuff that's happened. They're busy. They can't even get a meal. The people are pressing in. They're wanting more and more. They've been pouring out and praying for people. And ministering to people. But Jesus said, hold on a second. You know what? We can only go so far spiritually. If we're pushing ourselves beyond the limit physically. Can you say amen? We need to rest a little while. We need to rest a little while. We need to take some time. We need to revive ourselves. Some of us this morning, you're not getting proper rest. You're going to find yourself at a doctor's office getting a checkup. You're fine. You need some proper rest in your life. Stop pushing yourself beyond the limit. Control the controllables. There's something you can't control. How much you get rest. Are you with me? What you eat. Again, I know it's not a health class, but I just want to help you. Uh, if you'll take care of yourself physically... You'll receive spiritually. Number two, are you ready for this? God encourages us to pour out our heart to him and all of our frustrations. Here's where a lot of us don't want to be honest. I just want to just tell you today that God is not surprised by all of your frustrations. When you tell God what you're going through, God just said, oh man, I didn't know that. Oh really? Oh wow. I didn't know you were feeling that way. Man, you shocked me. Really? You feel this way? It shocks you when people tell you. But God already knows. You need to get it off your chest. You need to get it off your mind. You need to get it off your heart. Because you're carrying burdens you're not supposed to. The Bible says, cast your burden upon the Lord. Is that what it says? That means all your frustration, all of your anxiety, everything that you're going through in life is the moment where you pray and you talk to God. It's called lamenting. There's a book called uh, the book of lamentations. And what that is, uh, it's a book where someone, this prophet, wrote these lamentations of him pouring out all of his frustrations, pouring out all the things that he's going through in life. And he's pouring it out before God. It's a healthy, maybe one day I'll preach about it. Maybe one day I'll talk about the health of lamenting before God. Pouring out your heart to God. Pouring out your hurt. And your hurt. It, it's a healthy thing. When you keep it inside and you try to carry yourself, you're not, you're not designed for that. You have not been wired for that. So the Bible said in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah traveled for 40 days to Mount Sinai. And there he came to a cave and he spent the night there. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
what are you doing here? And Elijah, after, after God asked him this, he began to unload his complaints. If you read that chapter and his frustrations to God, he begins to vent his frustration. He begins to vent all of his anxiety, everything. All, he, he, man, basically, he's spilling his guts. You ever heard that expression? He's spilling his guts before God. God, this is bugging me. This is what's happening in my life. And in, in several different places, in that, in, in that chapter there, first, uh, first Kings 19, he basically talks about how he's fearful, how he's bitter, how he's angry, how he's lonely, how he's worried, and how he's depressed. How many of you have ever been through any of those? Am I the only one? You guys are awesome, man. You guys are powerful people. Amen. But for me, for us, for those of you that can relate to me, I've been there, man. And the great thing is God's not shocked. Did you know the book of Psalms is really David pouring out his heart to God? He's talking about his enemies. He's talking about his frustration. He's talking about... Man, if you want to read a book about uh, maybe all the human emotion possible, you'll find them in the book of Psalms. If, if, if David is just pouring out his heart to pouring out his heart to God, saying he doesn't understand why all these things are happening in life and why some people uh, seem to prosper and the righteous and uh, are not doing as good as those that are that are wicked, and he just starts saying he he just unloading before God. And I believe today, and I've said this before, the revealing of your feeling is the beginning of healing. Can you say Amen? amen. Yet you pour out your heart. Before God, again, casting all your care upon the Lord, you you're, you're pouring it out, and not only not only to God. I believe there are moments where we need to pour out our heart to other people. Did you hear me? That's why there's people that God puts in our lives. We pour out our hearts to them. That's why I believe. How, how many believe in good having a good connect group, being a part of a connect group? We have all these small connect groups, and that is the place. Where you connect with people and people can pray for you and you can pour out your heart. I remember going to, when I first gave my life to the Lord, going to a connect group, going to somebody's home and hearing people begin to pour out their heart. Not sitting there going, man, these people are all just as messed up as I am. Man, I'm in the right place. Hallelujah. I came to the right place. You know what? You know, I thought all these Christians were perfect, but man, some of them are worse than I am. Man, I feel good. I feel at home right now. I, man, everybody's messed up here. Hallelujah. We're broken, but we have a healer today. We, we're broken, but God can restore. So that, that's the key, is you being able to pour out. I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a connect group, uh, we have them on Friday nights here. You can talk to Pastor Isaac, Pastor Rob, any one, uh, one of our leaders here. We have uh, home groups on Friday nights. Some of them are meeting in person. Some are meeting in Zoom that you could be a part of. And that is that, I, I found that that is the best place where you grow, yes. where you get new relationships. Right. And, you know, and it really helps, it helps the pastor. I can't handle every single problem in the church. But I got some leaders here that can pray for you. Can you thank God for that? And they'll, they'll minister to you. And they'll help you. There are people here that have been going through many of the things that you're going through that can really help you along the way. And the third thing I believe that helped Elijah get refilled and get his passion back is he refocused back on God and not on himself. Can you say amen? So when we're often drained, when we're often feeling like we've lost passion... Many times the past, the focus is on us and not on God. And also we don't realize that 
You know what? All, uh, within the midst of all that's happening, God is right there in the midst. Look at what it says in 1 Kings 19, verse 11. It said, The Lord said to Elijah, Go stand in front of me in the mountain. And what God said, I will pass by you. Then there was a very strong wind that blew past, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after that, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. How many felt the earthquake the last couple of days? <laughs> then there was a wildfire. Sounds like California, right? But the Lord was not in the fire. But then there was a quiet, gentle, small whisper. See, many times God is just a whisper away. You're looking for God in the earthquake. You're looking for God. You're looking for God in all the drama. And God's right next to you whispering in your ear. When Elijah heard it, he covered what? He covered his face with his coat. He went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. And the voice said, Elijah, why are you here? In other words, I've got an answer for you. I'm right here. I've been here all along. Many times when you feel you're at your greatest, loneliest moment, that's when God has been there closest to you. He's just been a whisper away. He's right next to you, wants to encourage you. He's right there, wants to embrace you, let you know that he's with you, that you can't control everything. Again, I talked about the book of Lamentations. I, I need to just share this with you. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 19. I'll just give you real quick and I'll zoom right through it. In Lamentations chapter 3, the prophet of God, Jeremiah, he's talking about how he's feeling. He's troubled and all these different things. He's filled with sadness and depression and all these different things. And God comes to him. And God says, I'm with you. And how many have ever, how many have ever known someone that has ever gotten depressed or you get depressed? And they said a lot of people, they feel depressed. They turn to sugar. They turn to sweets. You ever, you ever known anyone like that? They turn to sugar. So today I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the sugar recipe of the Bible. Is that all right? I'm gonna give you some sugar. All right. Come on. In in Lamentation chapter, uh, write this down. Chapter three, verse nineteen, verse twenty-four. God tells them this. He says, "I'm your steadfast love." So the S in sugar stands for steadfast love. Then he goes, "I'm I'm the God of unfailing mercy." So the U in sugar means unfailing mercy. And then the G in sugar, he goes, "His great faithfulness." And the A is he's always kind. And the R is there's real hope. Hallelujah. God is the God that can give you some sugar today. Amen. Amen. When you're depressed, when you're feeling down. And finally, the last thing here, we can have the worship team come up. God tells Elijah, go back in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. Go back the way you came to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, I want you to anoint Haziel. And Jehu and Elisha went to go anoint them. The answer to a lot of our depression, the answer to a lot of losing our passion, is you need to get back up and start ministering to people oh, again. That's good. To get the focus off of you and focus on others, you'll find that when you minister to others, God actually begins to heal you. Amen. When it's all about us, you're going to find yourself drained and you're going to lose your passion for God. But when, when it's about others, isn't it amazing that Jesus said the first commandment is to love God first with all your heart, soul, and mind? And the second one is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. God's always focusing on others, not yourself. You focus on God and others, and God heals your heart. 
Are you with me? God restores that passion in your life. And he tells them, go out and anoint. In other words, he was telling Elijah, you're not done yet. There's still other things I need you to do. There's other people I need you to appoint. There's other people I need you to anoint. There's other people I need need you to go minister to. And that refilled Elijah's tank. It refilled that passion back in his life. And later on, he was able to raise up another man by the name of Elisha. Because Elijah, again, was one person that went through all of these things in his life. He seemed like emotionally he was drained. It seemed like he lost his passion even after great. But Elijah made a great comeback. Can you say amen? And I want to say to you, no matter what you're going through, God had the great comeback for you. Can you say amen? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.